What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful Boxing Podcast, May 7th edition. We're talking about Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. versus Canelo, which, I mean, technically, Julio Cesar Chavez was in the ring. I don't know if you can put this, like, on his Wikipedia, on his box rack, anything like that, because I don't know if he actually fought or competed or anything (laughs) resembling that. I am joined by Fightful.com's lead boxing writer, Carlos Toro. You've seen him all over the Northeast at events, covering events. Uh, he covered this event for us tonight uh, remotely. Uh, Carlos, how you doing tonight, man? Um, feeling a lot better than um, Julio Cesar Chavez, I can tell you that much. Maybe, I mean, I don't Maybe know. you are. We'll, we'll get into that, though. Also, yeah. Steve Muehlhausen, you've seen him talk to major names like Canelo Alvarez, uh, like uh, Daniel Cormier, like CM Punk. He's done all that for Fightful. Who haven't you talked to yet, Steven? Um, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and thank God when I was presented with the opportunity, I said no after this performance this evening. And you may never have a reason to again <laughs> unless he like commits a crime or something. Um, let's, let's jump right into this, Steve. I want your initial thoughts. What? I'll put it this way. First off, first off, I got to say this as a very casual fan. These are like some Timberwolf tickets. These aren't even just wolf tickets that were sold. (laughs) Like I'm a very casual fan. I knew Julio Cesar Chavez had not a chance in the world. What chance did he have? You went just all Nate Diaz on us right there, and this is not even an MMA podcast. So I like that right there. But, no, we, we got sold a bill of goods. I figured that out in the first two, the first 90 seconds of the first round, guys. You could tell right away Canelo came out and did something Canelo doesn't do. He came out right away and boxed. Usually Canelo will take a round or two, gauge distance, kind of get a feel of what his opponent's going to do. He had a point to prove in this fight, and he proved it very quickly on. I think I had a feeling he would. He knew if I can impose my will in the first minutes of this fight, I can break his will. And that's exactly what he did, and you saw the remaining what happened. A great, an incredible performance by Canelo Alvarez and an absolutely disgraceful performance by Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Carlos, for every other main card fight, I had like a page of notes. For this fight, I had nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. What can you tell oh. these people that my blank page of notes, because of that, that absolute drubbing that Canelo Alvarez put on Julio Cesar Chavez, what what was it? it? It certainly, I mean, if that was the game plan, it was a poor one. I mean, when you look at this entire fight and the buildup of this fight, all we keep hearing was about how Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. was so relaxed. He's grown a lot in the past few years, ever since he, he lost the fight through Sergio Martinez. And what we got was, you know, a fighter in Canelo Alvarez in which Julio Cesar Chavez could have, one easily, somewhat easily, if he just taken advantage of small windows of opportunity. There were a number of times where, in the middle of the fight, Chavez could have started dominating. But you know, Steven said it best. This was a masterclass performance by Julius uh, by Canelo Alvarez, and 
But Luis Cesar Chavez just looked lost. He just went through the motions. I don't know what was up with him. Mentally, it was probably the worst performance I've seen from a main event boxer in a long time. And again, the curious thing was how everybody, how his camp was saying that Luis Cesar Chavez was so much better mentally um, than he surprised a lot of people by making weight at all. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing. And Sean, you hit it first, sorry, on the head. Actually, you hit it on the head, Sean, because we said this on Thursday, and Carlos, you just brought it up. I had talked to some people in Chavez's camp leading up to this fight. They kept telling me the same things I said on Thursday and the same things Carlos said, said just now. He came in, he was looking great. His training was going great. He stayed in Mexico until the final week of the fight. And every, they were saying all the right things. And then you made the point, Sean, yesterday he made weight, and I, he looked drained. And I'm not using it as an excuse whatsoever, but it looked like that training camp took every single thing out of him just to get to this point. And they brought it up during the broadcast, and I thought it was a great point by, I think it was Roy Jones. Maybe maybe Chavez was better off coming in a pound or two overweight. Sacrifice the million dollars, you'll make it up in the buy rate, and come in there and look more fresh and look more – and look more focused. It just seemed like his will got taken very, very quickly, guys. And this is – give Canelo a lot of credit, but this also shows what Chavez Jr. is always has been. He lived off his if father. This... He really he really didn't face – he's never faced anyone that deserved to face Canelo Alvarez, and that was proven this evening. If this is his last fight – which Roy Jones Jr. speculated. You had Max Kellerman speculating. I, I don't blame him for making the weight as opposed to keeping that extra pound or two on just to get his ass whipped still, but looked better in getting his ass whipped. Carlos, you're muted right now. I don't know if you know that, but... Yeah, uh, no, I am. Do, I guess, do, do, do you think this I'm... is the last time that we see Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? Uh, and certainly the last time we'll see of uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. for the rest of the year, I find it hard to believe for anybody to want to fight him. Uh, and again, sorry if I mute myself a couple of times. I'm still a little bit under the weather, so I don't want the cough to just kind of come in throughout this uh, <laughs> broadcast. I'm trying to be a good good audio guy, good, good for well, the audio guys. Of course Cesar Chavez is going to not fight this year. He's got to take his year and a half off. It's like standard. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got no, to take his 18 months. <laughs> well, no, well, we don't even know what it's going to be because let's face it. He's been all over the place in the past few years. If he's fighting at light heavyweight, he's been fighting at super middleweight. And neither of those two places really worked out for him. So it's, it's hard to tell what his future even is. And we kind of saw, we saw Julio Cesar Chavez just gave up. No, he quit. And it's been the standard bear of this guy's career. You know, you look at the Fanfara fight. Even look at Marcos Reyes, and we saw Marcos Reyes fight on, you know, when he fought David Lemieux earlier in the evening. He lived off his father's name. He was never really that good. He sold us a big – he sold us false goods here, guys. At the end of the day, he took money from us. He took money from the fans in the T-Mobile arena. No, he wa- he wasted his own time. He wasted Nacho Bernstein's time. He wasted every Canelo. He wasted Canelo Alvarez's time. Yeah, Canelo's going to get a lot of money, but he wasted his time too. That was a glorified sparring session. The three of us could have had a better sparring match than what we saw this evening. 
Chavez does get $3 million before any pay-per-view uh, even comes in. So, hey, Man, you got that. $3 million, $3 million for that? Man. Man yeah. $3 million. <laughs> Jesus. So, think, let's, put, let's put Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in the rear view and just tuck that away. Here's Please. what we'll do. We'll rip, we'll rip that page out of my notes. Uh, we'll you, just killed it it, you just killed an empty page, Sean. You just killed an empty page. I did. The real story, Carlos, Triple G and Canelo in September. Remember yeah. what I – Carlos, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Carlos. I'm sorry. I didn't know if I could okay. – around mute. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we were promised September 2017 all the way since late 2016. And for a second, for, for a good while, I've been thinking this fight's not going to happen. There's going to be – uh, other BS in the contract, but as we kind of got for fight, we we kind of got you know rumblings that the fight is actually going to happen. And, and you know what? Good for both sides to finally say, "All right, we're not gonna, we're done. We're gonna, we've done all the fights that we wanted to get out of the way first. Golovkin, you got the Daniel Jacobs fight. Canelo, you got the big payday against Will Cesar Chavez. And now, I mean, let's face it, there's no other fight for any of these two guys to fight." Uh, and anywhere outside of, you know, Canelo versus Triple G. And I think this is the time to finally do it. I just want to laugh at the utter disrespect shown to Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. They had a video package produced and prepared and lined up for the Tron at the T-Mobile Arena. They were good to go. They had Triple G in the background waiting for the Seven Nation Army music to be queued up, Steven. They there was, they knew the score. <laughs> you know, it reminded me of WWE in an aspect yeah. because they knew they had it ready. They felt that confident. And I there was a reason Chavez was picked for this fight, guys. Let's not it it was done for a couple of reasons. A it was done to prove a point that Canelo can fight at middleweight, even though this fight was at super middleweight. So that fight that point was proven there. It was also seeing if he could take a shot against a legitimate guy who weighed at least 160 pounds. That was proven. It was an easy cupcake, and it was well done. And we had talked a little bit, and I had reached out to Golovkin's team yesterday afternoon and his manager, Tom Loeffler, and he was – I'm like, are you guys going to be there? And he's like, the plan is yeah. He's like, I can't say nothing else. He's like, but we, the plan is of right now to be there. And I'm like, as soon as he said that, I'm like, okay, you're going to be there. And then we seen him at the fight, and I, me and you were talking. You left the message. I was asking about what time we were starting, and I'm like, that's why I said, hey, let's kind of hold tight here and let's see what's going to happen because it was looking pretty good Golovkin was going to get in the ring, and that's exactly what happened. And the package was well done. I like the fact that they made him, made the, Golovkin made the walk to get into the ring, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm t- we're talking right now. The hair's standing. The goosebumps are going. Can we get to September 16th already? I just saw 12 rounds of boredom. I'm ready to see for the unified middleweight championship of the world. I'm ready today. Let's get it going. Carlos, boxing's 2017 is looking pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, Stephen and I have been discussing this uh, for the past couple of weeks. And just the mere fact that we have a spectacular March with lots of TV viewership numbers. We just got through April, ending with a massive uh, Joshua versus Klitschko fight, which did Unbelievable numbers in Europe, a little bit of disappointing numbers TV-wise here in the States. But still, it was an unbelievable fight, fight of the year candidate. 
And then now what we have for the next few months, all the way to July, award Kovalev to Pacquiao versus uh, Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn, uh, Jet, uh, Kel Brook versus Errol Spence Jr. I mean, all of these fights are, you know, and I'm just touching the sur- scratching the surface on what we have for just for the next few months. It's it's certainly that, that's amazing before year. that's before boxing even capitalizes on the heavyweight like all of the benefits they got from last weekend, because we don't even know where that's going yet. And there's a lot of possibilities there. It's very nice. I mean, you know, we started fightful. uh, We launched last July and it was to be, well, it is a, an MMA pro wrestling boxing crossover because we see those crossovers happen a lot. We see Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather trash talking everybody. We see Conor McGregor trash talk WWE. We've seen Floyd Mayweather wrestle in the WWE. But for that first six months, Carlos, and you've been our lead box lead boxing writer since you came on. Those first six months were awfully quiet. They're outside of the outside of uh, Manny Pacquiao coming back there, and that, even that didn't generate a ton of buzz, at least uh, as far as numbers happen. I've seen a major shift. I mean, what boxing was able to do with with Anthony Joshua and Klitschko last week, I think that gave them some momentum. And to the casual fan, they probably had no clue about Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.'s in-ring ability anyway. They knew his name. They may remember watching his dad in rebroadcasted fights on USA Network in the, in the mid-90s, early 90s. I mean, they, they, you never know what can sell. But if they tuned in thinking that this was like a superstar, they just watched Canelo eviscerate him eviscerate him he was a stepping stone and it's like julio cesar chavez jr was cool with that he didn't even make an effort he was absolutely like yeah i'll take my three million dollars i'll make my weight and i'll get the hell out of here you carlos right i could tell you were you were you well, right let me head. let me get this from carlos first carlos i could tell you were rather disappointed in that because i mean these pay-per-views ain't cheap no, they're not. Seventy freaking dollars this pay per view costs, and again, and to a point like that you were mentioning, the first six months of fightful. I mean, the boxing was just very bare bones. You know what? What this, one of the selling points for boxing in o- last October was Jurgen Bramer versus Nathan Cleverly. I mean, no disrespect to those two guys, but that was. I mean, that was one of the best fights of October, really. But I am just glad that twenty seventeen has gone up to an unbelievable start. Uh, all the way back in January, and yeah, and and I'm disappointed that this pay-per-view, the main event, which was really the only draw, was so disappointing. The undercard and the rest of the main card was not bad. It was actually a pretty entertaining uh, uh, previous six fights, if I say so myself. Steven, I want your prediction. Triple G, Canelo this September, who takes it? Man, man we're four months away. Right now, I'd go with Golovkin. Just, you know, he, Canelo's never been hit by anyone like Golovkin. Chavez really didn't hit him. Chavez, is more, Chavez isn't a hard puncher, even if you look at his 50 wins, you know. he's ne- Canelo's, yeah, he's faced Floyd Mayweather. He's faced guys like Laura. He's faced Austin Chard. He's faced Miguel Cotto. He's going to get hit by a Mack truck, and his name is Gennady Golovkin. This actually, I think, will be a fight. I think what's going to happen. They're going to stand right in the middle of the ring. What we got... What we'll get on September 16th is what should have happened this evening, and that we were sold some false goods on that end. Chavez didn't do his end of the end of the bargain. 
I go with Golovkin by decision. It's going to be a back-and-forth fight. If I'm going right now and you're putting a gun to my head, Sean, I'm going to go with Golovkin. Carlos, your thoughts? You know, and again, and we discussed this earlier, uh, I, we don't like it when Steven and I uh, agree, but I kind of agree no. with it. You, you asked me, okay, look, if you had asked me a month ago, I would have said Canelo easily. But part of the reason was because there's always going to be that question about whether or not Golovkin is capable of fighting all 12 rounds against an elite fighter. We saw that against Daniel Jacobs, and regardless of what you think of the decision, whether or not Golovkin won the fight, Golovkin proved that he can fight with the best for all 12 rounds. It's going to be a really close fight, but I think Golovkin is going to, as Steven said, is going to hit like a Mack truck, and Canelo, we really have not seen Canelo go up against a real brawler. And we've seen, we've seen Golovkin go, go up against the likes of David Lemieux, who, who is about as good of a hitter as you will see in boxing. You know, you hit something right on the head. And, there, you know, and we got to look at this too. Yeah, they're hard hitters. Don't get me wrong. They're two of the hardest hitters in the sport. But you also have to remember, they're, they're evolving into pure boxers. You saw it this evening. That was the complete package by Canelo Alvarez. And like we've said it before with Golovkin, and you saw it in the day when you talked about David Lemieux, we saw it in the David Lemieux fight. He started to become a boxer, and he has evolved over that time. He's evolved in his life. I think he's fought four times since that fight with, with David Lemieux, and he's got it better in boxing. It's not just anymore. He has to go for the knockout. He's more become a pure boxer. It's going to be a great fight. They're going to hit each other hard. It, they're going to hit each other like Mack Trucks. But I also think we're going to get a pure boxing fight as well. What we saw last Saturday night between Joshua and Klitschko, I think we're going to see with the middleweights on September 16th. Prior to the Jacob fight, you, you knew what you were getting out of Triple G every single time that he went in that ring. It's a little bit uh, – Canelo will keep you guessing a little more, but, man, he just absolutely styled on Cesar Chavez Jr., I like that word. I like what you said there. I like what you said there. Style. I like that word. Absolutely like <laughs> mollywop that poor man. Is that like Kentucky talk or what? Styled or mollywopped? Mollywalk. Mollywopped. Not mollywopped. Oh, I'm telling Molly. I mean, see, Chicago, we don't talk times. like that. We use Molly we use walking like, is what Cesar Chavez Jr. did for 12 rounds. I mean, that that was about it. We. We brought up Lemieux earlier. Uh, hell of a fight between him and Reyes. Uh, Carlos, what'd you see uh, out of this one? We kind of expected Lemieux to, out of the gate, just absolutely demolish Reyes. And we, he did. I mean, early on, he got that. Uh, he cut open Reyes's uh, right eye, or at least near his right eye. And he was gushing blood throughout the entire fight. And I, to an extent, we thought we were going to see a quick fourth-round stoppage, but then Reyes – it was a combination of two things. One, Reyes' chin is hard was just simply unbelievable. And two, we kind of saw – I mean, David Lemieux kind of back off a little bit. I don't know if it was lack of stamina or just gassing himself a little bit and he kind of wanted to save himself later in the fight. But I think in towards the middle, I think we saw – a, a sort of more controlled David Lemieux than what we're accustomed to seeing. And I think that this fight was, you know, it kind of showed that David Lemieux, just like with Glockman, he can go the distance and still hit pretty hard. 
uh, towards the end of the fight. To be honest with you, I, if this Golovkin-Canelo fight wasn't announced, I wouldn't be against a, a Lemieux-Golovkin rematch. I would have loved to see those two go at it again. I mean, the first fight was pretty good, but I think Lemieux was still got another title shot. Maybe Billy Joe Saunders. Steven, it's funny no. because before, uh, during this fight, they said, uh, the announcers were saying, what would be wrong with Lemieux taking on the loser of the main event tonight? Could you imagine <laughs> if Julio Cesar yeah. Chavez Jr. went in there with David Lemieux and fought the way that he did tonight? Man, David Lemieux would get rich very quickly. I, I'll put it that way. No, I thought David Lemieux looked really good, and I thought he would run over Reyes. And the one thing that, you know, he trained with Chavez for this fight. And, man, I wish Marco Reyes was in this main event to see. At least I know Marcus Reyes would have showed some heart. He would have got his, he would have lost by knockout. But he, really, he, he could have showed Chavez what he should have been doing. But, no, Lemieux looked great. You know, give Reyes credit. He took Lemieux's best shots, and he still stood there. He didn't crumble. He still continued to fight. He showed a lot of heart. But Lemieux looked great, though. And I could see Lemieux, like we said that this on Thursday, I think Lemieux will now go face Billy Joe Saunders next. And I think down the line, I th- I could see Lemieux fighting Saunders, and then the winner of that fight will fight the winner of Canelo and Golovkin. So I could see early 2018, I can see a little four-man tournament with these four guys here starting in September. Uh, Reyes did train with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. for this fight. Uh, he looked, I don't want to say way bigger physically, way taller. And maybe that had something to do with Lemieux's shots, not putting him, up, putting him down. But this Lemieux is a guy who, under two months ago, broke Curtis Stevens' tooth off in his mouth. Hitting that him was so great. hard. That was one of the greatest knockouts I've ever seen. And and I always say this about David Lemieux, and we said, and we've, he's got a great set of hair. I am very <laughs> jealous. And it's like you look at his hair. The hair doesn't move, guys. Like they put water on his hair, and I'm like, didn't even move when they were splashing water on his head. I'm like, this. Well, is I didn't want to say anything, but we got to talk about Triple G's hair. Come on, Playboy, you're rich. How? <laughs> what was wrong with what? that hair? That hair looked great. Come on. What is up with that? What was wrong? Like, with yeah, it? he goes to the barber, and I get the the barber's got to be like, this again. I don't know, man. Listen, listen. whatever works for Golovkin, it, it, it works. And you know what? I like it. I like it. That's kind of like the, the low-key Ukrainian mafia or, or Kazakhstan yeah. mafia. It's like, listen, I may look like a little baby face, but I'm going to absolutely kill you. Guy's an assassin, man. Who cares how his hair is? He'll knock your oh. block up. That's the, that's the guy I want with me in the alley when I have a gang of people trying to kick my ass. Sorry for my language. They try to kick my butt. I want Gennady Golovkin right there, man. I don't care about his hair. Your hair. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wanted, by the way, sir. I wanted to compliment Roy Jones Jr. for basically wrangling the announce team as they were just oozing all over themselves about Arturo Gotti. And he said, hey, guys, we got a pretty good fight going on right here. Maybe we should talk about it. So uh, a lot of respect. I was so disappointed because I've been getting on my Twitter timeline about all these fantastically stupid Roy Jones quotes throughout the fight. I didn't watch the HBO telecast. I watched the Golden Boy telecast, ah. which, was, which was certainly really, really good and very enjoyable. But, oh, man, just I miss, the, I miss Roy Jones. Uh, all I could get was everything from, from, from the stupid things that he's been saying all night. See, I have no problem with Roy Jones. Because Jim Lam- – and I like Jim Lampley. I like Jim. I like Max. I like Roy. I've talked to all three. I think they're great guys. I think they're great analysts in their own right. But it's time for Jim Lampley to go, man. If you just had Kellerman and Roy Jones, now I have something to work with. But Jim Lampley, in my mind, brings down the broadcast. So for any Jim Lampley fans out there, I apologize. But, no, there's nothing wrong with Roy Jones. I, I was mad at that, too. It's like we got a great fight going on here in the ring. Why in the – who cares about the 15th? And no offense to God, Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward, but I don't care about their award from 15 years ago. I care about the fight that's in the middle of the ring and what people paid money to see. I think Lampley has a great voice. I think Kellerman has a great voice. But it's it's a lot like we see with another boxing announcer in Mauro Ranallo when he went over to WWE. When you cram a bunch of guys in a booth and you try to make it work, it doesn't always make it work. If you had Kellerman or Roy Jones Jr. and occasionally uh, another guy chiming in, maybe. But when you got basically four voices throughout the broadcast, that can be really, really tough, man. Now, I, Carlos, I want to ask you this. Should this fight have been stopped? We, we heard that as a talking point on the, the HBO pay-per-view. Was that addressed on the Golden Boy portion? Uh, it did, but like so right around the seventh, eighth round, it got addressed. Uh, See, it wasn't addressed until like the last round. See, they, go to the ninth, they go to like the ninth round. They're like, well, you know, maybe they should stop the fight. And it's like, this fight should have been stopped in the sixth round. No offense to Reyes, but he ate left hook after left yeah. hook after left hook. It was like, okay, I'm poor Reyes, man. Kudos to his cut team. That cut, you go guys from here, right about the island. They showed it in between the ninth and tenth round. They really even like jam this Q-tip into the cut. It oh, was disgusting. Thank God, thank God, my nine-month-old son was in bed because that was utterly disgusting. Now, now, one thing I wanted to oh, to answer your question, John. Yes, I thought the fight should have been stopped fifth, fifth, sixth round. And to be honest with you, I mean, it isn't just for the fact that that uh, Reyes was just getting blood all over himself. It was just the simple fact that Lemieux was just constantly pummeling him and. Anything that any limited offense that Reyes had, it it didn't do nothing. It didn't do a damn thing to to Lemieux all night long. And overall, I just this this fight should have been stopped in the sixth round. It, and all it did was just gives more brain damage to to Reyes. 
you know, do you blame more, his corner or the ref? At that point, you really got to blame the ref. You got to blame the. You got to blame his training staff because they're the yeah. ones seeing it. The ref's going more often than not, Sean. The ref's going to let the fight continue, unless yeah. he, unless it's really more of a bludgeon. He, you know, it looks like he's on wobbly street. The more often than not, the ref's going to let it continue. That's on the team of saying, "Hey," and like Carlos said, you've taken enough damage to the head, man. We got enough of these issues with the NFL and you know WWE and stuff like that that we don't need in hockey. We don't need to see concussion issues happen. If you look at his punches too, he yeah, he came back and he was hitting Lemieux, but he wasn't hitting him hard. You know, you gotta look at the impact of the punches. You can punch the punch, but if the punches aren't making an impact, there's no reason for the fight to continue. Yeah, it really looked like Lemieux was trying to make a case to get a big fight and was headhunting at several points throughout this fight. Uh Carlos, do you think he gets that big fight? Lemieux, sure. I mean, if he, I mean, there's no reason to believe Lemieux shouldn't fight uh, Billy Joe Saunders for the WBO middleweight title. It's not like Billy Joe Saunders has any plans and not like there's tons of people lining up to fight him. Or, I mean, Billy Joe Saunders really has absolutely zero momentum whatsoever. He is a world champion, but no one really treats him like a champion. I mean, ever since that win against Arthur Akhavov late last year, he's been kind of treated as a joke, making demands to Golovkin, like, you sign this contract right now so we can get this fight, or I won't fight you. And it's like, who are you even going to, like, who are you to demand such a big fight? No, if anything, Lemieux should go to Billy Joe Sound and say, hey, I'm going to, you're going to fight me. I want your world title because I want to, rematch against uh, Gennady Golovkin, and then Lemieux is going to proceed to absolutely beat him because Billy Joe Saunders has not impressed me one bit. No, that's – you hit it right on the head. That, that's what's going to happen. And we said it earlier, at the end of the day, it's going to – I think it's going to be a nice little four-man tournament with Lemieux, Saunders, Golovkin, and Canelo, and we, and we see what happens. I'm excited. You said it earlier, Sean, but, you know – Boxing, I even think since the beginning of last year, I thought has really started to make a lot of headway. And then now it's roared right into 2017. You look at we're the beginning of the fifth month of the year, and we still got seven months to go, and we still got a lot of great fights coming up that have already been announced and a lot of fights that could happen in 2017. So it's a great year so far for boxing. Matisse Taylor. Uh Taylor had done well against Adrian Broner early in his career, and since then, it's not not been too hot. Uh, Matisse was moving up in weight. He's had a long layoff. Steven, did you like what you saw here out of him? Because uh, it was it was damn impressive. Lucas Matisse looked awesome. You know, this was in you know it was a nineteen month layoff since he since he lost lost to Victor Postel in October of 2015. And the question was even if he was gonna come going to come back just with all the wars he had been in. And I, he looked great, guys. Even, you know, I think it was a breath of fresh air for him. Take 19 months off, get the body rested, you know, come back, you know, even fight at Welterweight. You don't have to, you know, he's 34 years old. And when you get older in MMA and boxing, you don't want to be cutting all that weight. So that seven pounds made a difference here in Taylor was no match. Taylor was three and three going into his last six, and and it showed here. Taylor had a moment in the third; he was starting to pound to the body, and then Matisse went right back to work, knocked him down in the third, and with a sh- beautiful straight right hand. And then 
then it was all she wrote in the fifth round. But Matisse looked awesome. I think a couple more fights. and I, I Give him two, three more fights, and then I think he'll be fighting for a title. I really do. He's a big-name fighter. He's a high-caliber fighter. And the welterweight division right now is absolutely awesome. So it's a good add to the division and a good performance by Lucas Matisse. Carlos, the story of Emmanuel Taylor is kind of a sad one. He was – I think a lot of people had picked him to beat Algeria. That didn't happen, and since then – he is he's 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 that guy that shows up to get knocked out by a Matisse. Yeah, and look, and and on Thursday I said that you know Emmanuel Taylor. I think this is going to be a bounce back fight for him. As much as I love Lucas Matisse, but you know, it, I don't think Emmanuel Taylor even expected this kind of performance from Lucas Matisse. I mean, I, I think that the problem wasn't that Taylor couldn't handle Matisse's speed because it's, it was noticeably slower than we've seen in, pre- in years past, but the power was still there. He, he bothered him. Taylor got bothered at the end of that first round by that, by that big right hand by, by Lucas Matisse, and it, he never recovered from that. And every, it, Matisse made it, his point, made it a point to end every single round hitting him with a big right hand, and then finishing with a couple of flurries to the body, which is what he did. And this was a sensational performance from Matisse, and a performance that I was, even though I picked Taylor win, I was wishing, I was praying that we would see out of Matisse because I'm a big Lucas Matisse fan. And I was really curious and worried because of the 19 months, because he's fighting at Walter Wade for the first time and coming off with the loss against Victor Postel, which he didn't look good at all. And now we're seeing a, a rejuvenated Lucas Matisse. And I think he can make a title run at welterweight. This, this was a fun fight to watch. He showed Taylor no respect. Like when that, when that knockdown came in the third round, like we all saw it coming. We knew it was a matter of time. And then he just kept it going. Uh, Sean, you hit that right on the head there. I wanna, before we get into the next one, you hit that right on the head. You can't show these fighters respect. You can't – MMA or boxing, you can't show your opponent respect. We saw it in the main event. We saw it here. The moment you start showing respect, and, you know, I've always been taught this by, you know, trainers in the game, it's a sign of weakness. you got to go in there with no respect because that's where you get the drive from. I don't – you're not – I'm not respecting you. I'm going to make you respect me. And we saw that with Canelo, and we saw that here with Matisse. We had Diaz versus Avila. Diaz was like plotting early, but as is tradition with him, he heated up and just he took the fight. Um, he took off in the middle rounds and really, really like he. It's interesting. His story is interesting because his dad taught him how to box. His dad is not a like boxing trainer, but he is for his son, and that that leads to him being a little bit unconventional. He leads heavily, heavily like. His stance is a little unusual than what you'll see of, of other top-flight boxers. Now, this was was an interesting test for him because his opponent didn't necessarily have a lot of power, but did test him a little bit early on. Uh, Carlos, did you like what you saw out of Jojo Diaz? Uh, about the first two rounds? Yeah. The rest of the eight rounds, not really. It was this – I mean, Diaz is so close to getting a world title shot, whether it be in the uh, – for the WBO title, which is hold, uh, held by Oscar Valdez, or the WBA title, which is held by Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, you know, overall, this was – in Stephen Edwards' honor, this was the type of fight where you had two undefeated prospects, and both of them were trying to make a statement for 
for Jojo Diaz, this was for him to validate his contendership and him saying, look, look at what I did on this undercard, and now I want to fight for the world title. And then you had a lackluster performance. He, he was dominant. He was very impressive. I mean, he won all rounds outside of maybe, I think it was the, uh, maybe I don't remember, maybe the fourth round, but even that one was debatable. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a pretty strong performance. But it wasn't very exciting. I mean, I didn't really come out all that impressed because he didn't show me anything that I had already known about Joseph Diaz, which is a very, very good boxer. You hit it right in the head there. He's a very good boxer, but he, is he an action pack fighter? He, you know, 24 wins on only 13 wins by knockout. That's more, you're knocking out lower end opposition. And when it comes to top tier opposition, he, he's, he's looking good. But he's not making that statement to where he could fight guys like a, like a Gary Russell, you know, a Leo Santa Cruz, you know, guys in that weight class. And he looked okay. He he, he won nine of the ten rounds. You know, I, he he manhandled the fight. He lost one round. I thought he lost the fourth round. If I'm going to pick a round, I, I had him losing the fourth. But his style does nothing that really gets me excited. He's a, your typical boxer coming out of the Olympics. I think it's going to take him more time. 24 fights may seem a lot, but it really it's not a lot, if, if that makes really sense. He hasn't really faced that top caliber competition. He's kind of been brought along slow and kind of like, you know, like a Chavez Jr. And a, and a lot like Canelo in a way when they were first coming up. They were fed a lot of lower-end opposition. Let them get their feet wet. Done. Same thing with De La Hoya. De La Hoya went under that same thing for the first couple of years, and and look at what he became. So I'm not sold yet. A not, maybe a higher caliber fight will get me a little more excited because no offense to Avila, but he overwhelmed him throughout, and it wasn't he did nothing that, like you said, he did nothing that we didn't know already. Yeah, and and, the, and you sort of end this. I mean, look, if you if you put if you put JoJo Diaz against the Carl Framptons, the Leo Santa Cruz, the Abner Maras, the the Oscar Valdez, the Gary Russell's juniors of the world. I don't think he matches up to any of them, at least not yet. He still has uh, some growing left to do. But overall, I mean, when he's so close to being uh, on the doorstep for a world title shop, I think he's ranked number two in both the WBO and WBA rankings. you got to show more than what we saw tonight. I mean, Avila was a perfect opponent for you to just absolutely dominate in the right way. Instead, we, he dominated him in, in a pretty boring ring in all the wrong ways. Steven, what do you see as the basically the the lasting visuals, maybe the lasting lasting feelings coming out of this pay-per-view to both uh boxing experts and those who were maybe just tuning in casually? We saw we at the end of the day, we're now going to get the fight that we should have gotten this evening. And we're going to get it on September 16th. We're getting the two best middleweights in the world today. We're getting two of the best boxers in the world today. And it may have taken a while to get here. And it was a two, almost a two-year journey of everyone saying Canelo's ducking Golovkin and he doesn't want to fight him and he is reluctant. And now I see, I've seen the master plan and, all the, the long winding road, and we went through 12 boring rounds this evening. We, a lot of people wasted 
But at the end of the day, it led to the fight that everyone wants to see. And at the end of the day, that is what's best for boxing. Carlos, a couple of big fights on the horizon, Brooke versus Spence. Brooke looking to bounce back after a loss to Triple G in his home country. Uh, how do you think he does uh, against the undefeated Spence? If we're getting the, the, uh, the Kelbrook that we're accustomed to seeing, the Kelbrook that we saw, you know, give the fight to Golovkin uh, back in September for however short that fight was, I think, it's, I think we're going to see a really damn good fight. Errol Spence has always been one of – you know, one of those darlings that everybody just excited to see whenever they just come up. And the one big story, at least in the back of my mind, is just how Kill Brooks going to look health-wise. I mean, it's always rough to see a boxer make that first fight ever since, get, you know, breaking an orbital bone. I believe that was his injury, what he broke in uh, against broken orbital bone, yeah. yeah, broken orbital bone. And I'm just thinking, I mean... I just get immediately flashbacks to um, I now forgetting um, Antonio Margarito, Antonio Margarito, who he pretty much has he had his high just completely wrecked by Shane Mosley. He just really didn't look the same in the rematch against Cotto several years back, and I don't know that that, that image always gonna stay in my mind. But I think we're gonna get a pretty good fight out of Kell Brook, no matter what. I think he's back at one hundred percent. But I'm, but I'm curious to see how he, ta- how he jumps over that mental hurdle. Got to remember, this is the biggest fight of Ariel Spence's career. He's, he's been handled very well, and this is kind of like the situation we were talking about earlier with Canelo and Chavez. He's, been, he's another one. He's been handled very, very carefully. Now you're jumping into the lines, and you're facing, you're probably, you're facing the second-best welterweight in the world behind Keith Thurman. And you're going to and you're going to England. You're going to you're going to Kell Brooks' backyard. I think that's going to prove to be too much for Errol Spence. Just that whole situation, that whole different atmosphere, that is going to prove to be too much for Errol Spence. I'm going with Kell Brook. That takes place May 27th. Then, of course, next month, June 17th, Ward Kovalev to Stephen. You know, though Andre Ward likes blaming everyone but himself for <laughs> the attention that he feels he should be getting. And I've talked to Andre. He's a good guy to talk to. But he's his own worst enemy in, the, in this matter. He wants to be loved. He wants to be shown to love. I'm the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world today. And when you're reluctant to talk to the media, how are you going to get your name out there? I don't. Is Andre Ward a great fighter? You're, you're damn right. He's, a, he's an awesome fighter. You can't take that away from him. I thought he lost the fight, the first fight against Kovalev, but he's a great – you can't take that away from him. He, he, there's three idiot judges in Nevada thought he won the fight. We know the judging in Nevada isn't the greatest, but this rematch is going to be different. I really do. I think we see Sergey Kovalev fight 12 full rounds instead of fighting six and a half, and that's what cost him the fight. I think he wins. I think he wins impressively in this fight. He's got a point to prove here. He's going to show the judges and, and to the world that he is a better fighter than Andre Ward. Now, I think they fight again, which I think would be awesome. Carlos, your thoughts? I think this is going to be a fantastic fight. I mean, the first fight was really damn good, and Stephen, you you touch on all the good great points right there. I mean, Kovalev's out there. He's now going to go headhunting for Andre Ward. He wants to get that knockout. Because he wants to pretty much prove that that first fight 
it wasn't it wasn't a win for Ward. And I kind of agree. I, if I remember correctly, I had Sergey Kovalev winning that fight um, very, very close. But overall, I mean, Ward, he's not endearing himself to, to the fans by not being out there selling the fight. Kovalev has done everything possible to sell as much pay-per-views as possible. Because... Lord knows that the first the fight the first fight was great. The pay per view numbers were abysmal, and everything about the just screams a, a Kovalev winning back the unified light heavyweight title. And I think this is going to be a pretty damn uh, good fight. Well, let's keep the Bird family way away from this fight, whether it be refing, judging. Uh, if there's anybody named Bird, I don't want them at ringside. I don't want any doctors with the last name Bird. Let's just let's just keep them far away. Carlos, before we wrap it up, where can the people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at Carlos Toro 360. That's Carlos T-O-R-O 360. I say T I spelled it T-O-R-O because some people uh, have a rough time actually writing that. I don't know why, but they do. So. Yeah, look at the guy you're on a podcast with. I have to Google Steve's name every time I try to spell it. <laughs> you're it's not the true. first. You're, you're not the first, nor you will be the last, my friend. No, uh, you can you can find me on Twitter at S, and I will spell it out for everyone. M U E H L H A U S C N M M A and God, you must hate followers <laughs> to have that handle. Hey, I'm almost got man. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. You look at it this way. Your whole last name, your whole name, Sean Ross Sapp, is almost as many as mine. I have 11 letters. Your full name is 12. Talk about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You all can follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful MMA, at Fightful Online, at Fightful Wrestle. Uh, for those of you who are new to the channel, uh, Steve and Carlos do uh, boxing podcasts here and there. They're going to do some post shows. I was told to be on this one. If you all watch the Wednesday show, Jimmy Van didn't give me much of a choice. I don't know why. I guess he just felt, hell, hey. I've got him under contract. I might as well have him do it. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. But no, good to have you on, man. Close yeah, Carlos and Steve do uh, some great work, of course, on our boxing. And we have all the latest in MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing news, photos, videos, podcasts, interviews, all that stuff over at Fightful.com. We do post-Raw, post-Smackdown, post-pay-per-views for UFC and WWE, all kinds of stuff over there. And, of course, interviews with people that you won't get anywhere else. But guys, I want to thank you all so much for joining us. Subscribe to us, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Leave us a thumbs up and join in on our live coverage. We had uh, Carlos over there handling the duties tonight. Our forums are back up. Go register for free at Fightful.com. We have boxing forums, MMA, wrestling, entertainment, uh, video games, action figures, music, anything you can think of, we've got it. You can ask Carlos and Steve questions for the podcasts and much more. Guys, thank you all so much for joining us. Until next time, we're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.